Today's show is brought to you by Skillshare.com. At Skillshare.com, they have thousands of classes available, not just simply about business or job hunting, but lots of different classes on a host of different subjects, almost anything you can think of, and they have one low price associated with your learning. They have classes about particular technologies you can learn, pottery, public speaking. I have a half dozen of my classes about job hunting there, writing, photography, film, almost anything you can think of, they have Skillshare classes available. Now, if you use my link, thebiggamehunter.us forward slash Skillshare, they'll offer a free trial and 30% off if you decide to join. There's a lot to learn, and Skillshare is a place where you can learn it. Now, let's get back to today's show. This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2111. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome to Wednesday. Today's show is an interview I did with Matt Shearer about mistakes that people make with LinkedIn. Now, one of the nice things about Matt's work is that he spends a lot of time working with military personnel, uh, helping them land new roles once they leave the armed forces. So there are a couple of things in there that really relate to military people, but most of the show really is a general piece about mistakes people make on LinkedIn. Hope you find this helpful. Hope you give the show an honest review and share it wherever you use social media Put it on LinkedIn, put it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. It will help other people. And with that, we'll be back in just one moment. Today's show is brought to you by FlexJobs. At FlexJobs, you can find flexible work, work at home, real jobs available in a host of different fields that you can apply for. Now, to get access to the application, you have to create an account, but It has jobs in HR, recruiting, graphic design, bilingual positions, sales. There's lots of different categories of positions that are available. So use the link in the show notes. Go to FlexJobs and see what they have for you for flexible work. And with that, we'll be back in just one moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So my guest today is Matt Shearer a LinkedIn coach and the author of LinkedIn for Military. With this book, he has helped more than 10,000 veterans update and improve their LinkedIn profile. He's also the co-founder of the Military Transition Roundtable, a nonprofit group aimed at helping military professionals in transition. Matt, welcome. Jeff, glad to be here, my friend. Thank you. So, We're going to be doing a show, folks, that, yes, it's going to cover issues that people leaving the military face, but it's also a broader show about mistakes people make using LinkedIn. So what are some of the the biggest challenges that people face when using that platform? I'm looking at one right now. In fact, I hadn't put it on my list, but 
I just had a work anniversary and I'm, I'm getting all these generic congrats on your work anniversary notes. And that's great and I really appreciate that. But if you really wanted to connect with me, you'd tie back to something that I've done and saying, hey man, thanks so much on your work anniversary. By the way, I saw you did this. But LinkedIn makes it really easy to say congrats on your work anniversary. What I'm gonna try to do is reach back to all the people that said that and said, thank you so much. By the way, I have this that might be of interest to you or this event that might be of interest to you. But I think it's the, you know, the generic, well, congrats on your work anniversary or happy birthday, which have their purpose. But you know, if you wanna be different, if you wanna stand out from all the other people that are you know, connecting with some people, then take a minute to write a little message, send a picture. Talk about the relationship you have with somebody. See, that's mistake number one. And, and it's, I know for me on my birthday, you know, I'm LinkedIn member 7653. And I was very early on and without accepting many connection requests from recruiters, I've got about 26,000 first level connections. So I'm about, I'm close to maxed out. And comes my birthday, easily, I get 2,000 people clicking on the automatic message sent to me, wishing me a happy birthday. Happy birthday, yeah. But if you want to be different, right, don't you want to take that time to say, hey, you know, appreciate what you've done for me, or this is something that I saw you've done, and I hope you continue that work. That's going to stand out. You know, I'm all about helping people stand out on their LinkedIn profile, and that's, that's topic number one. So that's the first mistake is using all those generic responses to reply about uh, birthdays, work anniversaries, even connecting with people. You know, using the generic responses that LinkedIn offers is ordinary. Does nothing to really positively distinguish yourself. I like what you said is ordinary. And, and, and I'm never ordinary when I connect with people. You know, you get 300 spaces in a LinkedIn connection. And I teach a class just on that. And there's a lot you can do with 300 connections. And, you betcha. Um, so that's point number two. Send me, sending me a connection request without a note. No, no, please don't do that. Send me a little bit of note. Even if I was spoke to your group, I would really like to know, hey man, I really appreciate that you spoke to us on this topic on LinkedIn. By the way, uh, I, I'm sending this request, you know, from the event that was last, you know, last week, last Thursday. I can remember you, okay? You're gonna stand out in my mind. Um, I'm curious, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Someone mentioned to me yesterday that the LinkedIn app doesn't let, didn't let him personalize a connection request to someone. Do you remember if that's true or not? Okay, so the question is on on the on the mobile side of things. Yeah, yeah, it may they make it difficult. Okay, you have to really be on top of it. Since I use the desktop most of the time, but when I'm, and I don't really do that much on mobile, I try to stay on top of it. But when you connect with people, it's kind of difficult. So you got to send a connection of like, hey, Jeff, you know, I heard you speak. Or, you know, you're speaking in an organization or, or a platform on Zoom, like some people are going to go like this. Hey, best to use your desktop, but if not, remember to send a connection of, yeah, that's a, that's a strong possibility. Thank you. I was curious about it because I haven't really looked at the mobile app for that purpose in a while because I too work at my desk. Uh, yeah. And when I'm out and about, people are reaching to me. 
and I'm not really reaching out as much as I used to. So I was just curious about that. So make the connection request from uh, some computer so that this way you can personalize it and uh, it may change in the mobile app at some point, but it seems as though it's, it's a static message that you're sending out, which no one really likes these things. So yes, that's the point is, you know, maybe if you send the connection on mobile, then follow up with a message saying, hey man, I just connected with you and you know, I wasn't able to send you a connection note because a purposeful connection note can open a lot of doors. You betcha. And just in terms of what the request might say, what do you think someone should say in a, in a typical connection request? I know you've been talking about, I saw you speak, I've seen you do this, but how about, you know, it's a cold contact. So I do a lot of, I've done a lot of public relations in the past. And, uh, you know, I'm looking up an editor or reporter and it's like, dear Bill, you know, uh, so you your reporter for this publication. I have a client that's interested in getting you some information. May I connect? And I give my name and, and phone number. And usually I get a request, you know, it depends on the purpose. Every connection has a purpose. You know, it could be for that professional context. It could be for, um, it could be that you read the, something that the person wrote and you're very impressed and say, hey, I'd like to stay in touch, you know, especially with novice people. You know, you and I have a few few thousand connections. I don't have as many as you do, Jeff, but I've got a few, right? Um, but um, just, hey, I saw this article you wrote and I was really impressed. I would like to connect with you. You know, there's like a, there's like a, I call it the dance of a real connection. So you send that connection up, you know. Really that, and after that person connects them and say, hey, let's get together for a conversation, you know. Zoom allows us, you know, we can do a virtual conversation that way. Um, all of those things, but just kind of take it like a three-step process. One, connect, two, find out more about, um, more about what that person is doing. And then three, uh, if there's something that you can help them with, him or her with, by all means do so. And then lastly, if there's something they can help you with, then that's when you should ask them. You know, I got a friend named John Hancock who works at a really major insurance company, right? John's the social media manager with the ultimate job. He gets to go to all the major league baseball games and uh, professional football games on behalf of USAA, right? Great job. Uh, but a lot of guys reach out to John because they're looking for a job on USA and say, hey, John, uh, I want, now that we're connected, can you help me get a job? John can't help you get a job. John can maybe tell you where the contact is because he knows everybody in USA. But it's like, that is really a stupid use of LinkedIn, okay? And I agree. So what, wanna, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we've got a schedule to keep today. Sorry, so, I apologize. That's okay. What's the third mistake that, that you think people make when they use LinkedIn? They copy and paste their link, their resume onto LinkedIn and think that that's just great. That I'm just going to be compelled to want to know more about them. So that's mistake number three. They don't put it into the first person approach. You know, I, I'm looking, you know, I help people with this or I'm looking for this. You know, if you're in transition, you have one purpose on, on um, your profile. And if you're a professional like me, you have another purpose on your profile. So it's that copy and paste approach. I, I tell people the information should be congruent. Like what's in your resume should be consistent with what's in the LinkedIn profile, but it's not supposed to be identical. 
No, and and I can tell you from talking to staffing people because I I do talk to a lot of staffing professionals, and to a person they say, look, we look at the LinkedIn profile long before we look at the resume, and the resume to us is a legal document that says you went to this school or you went to that school. We were talking about what's the matter you. I can tell you what's the matter you. Well, that allows them to call and say, well, did he really get a degree in nuclear engineering and what's the matter you in 1984? That's the that's the difference between the you know, uh, a LinkedIn profile and a resume. The resume is a legal document. Um, I speak to a lot of guys in our own transition roundtable, uh, and one guy would connect with people and send their resumes. Like, please, Mike, back off a little bit. Create the conversation, and then if they really want their resume, they're going to ask you for it because you've got an impressive resume. But let's let's just go slow, okay? It's hard because military guys has a different mindset. And that's true with everybody. Yeah. Military guys are direct to the point. Let's not waste any time. You know, we got to do this now. We got to build that bridge, you know? That's right. And it makes perfect sense given that environment. But as I've coached many uh, former military people when they get in the private sector, and I know it drives them crazy. In the private sector, you know, there's more time wasting, there's more work avoidance, and there's more schmoozing before you get to something, doing something. And the military, it's now! I gotta have it now, yeah, yeah. And and so that's one of the things that the the military transition roundtable is help people with the timeline. In fact, I just left one of the groups and the guy, it took him six weeks to get his offer and he was packaged together. It's like, you know, that would drive me nuts if I was on active duty. Understood. So what's number four? Number four is have a professional photo. Okay. Uh, do not have a picture of your girlfriend or your wife. Okay. Or your children in that photo. It's you and you alone. I'm going to say wife, husband, or partner. Because these days we have to be clear. Oh, of course. Wife, spouse, or, you know. I see a lot of military guys, you know, they're, they're all dressed up because they went to a wedding or something, yep. you know, it's like, okay, and you can see the significant other right there on their left or right shoulder. No, please. And, or or yeah. worse than that, they cut them out of the picture, oh, yeah. but you can see part of the arm there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point. And uh, it's always low resolution. You know, I've seen pictures of uh, dinner plates. I've got, you know, I've got a whole collection of terrible, uh, LinkedIn profile photos when I speak to people, but you know, I tell people that profile photos should be current. It should be such that if I'm meeting you online, you know what I look like. In the non-COVID world, you know, here in San Antonio, most people have these meetings at places called Jim's restaurants. I, you know, it's like uh, IHOP, a little bit better than IHOP. Um, you know, be identifiable so you know what that person looks like what you're meeting them for the first time that's and i'm also going to say folks update your picture every couple of years because you do change your appearance yeah Um, you know if you've got a beard like this you know if you're active duty photo well of course you know you can't have a beard in the in the the military like this that's always a sign that people are leaving the military is it's the uh it's it's the fur comes out huh yeah yeah that yeah yeah. Turn off the phone. <laughs> People love you and they're calling. Turn off the phone. I deserve your I attention. I apologize. Let me do that. That's okay. So 
old yeah. old photos, no photos, bad photos. Folks, Out of, oh, one of my favorite, I call it the Facebook photo. I got a young lady that looks like she's a boudoir photo. It's like, okay, okay, for your Facebook page, maybe, or the dating site, but no, uh, no. Agreed. What else do people do that that really damages themselves on LinkedIn? They overlook the banner. The banner is that photo behind your profile picture. Um, there's a specific, you know, style to it. It's just like climbing a billboard. Um, it should be simple. It should convey quickly what you're all about. You have to understand that what looks really good on the desktop doesn't always look good on the mobile. I got a picture of a two-star general who's the commander of Air Force recruiting. And on the desktop version, it says engage, enlist, engage, enlist. And then on the mobile side, and I show this in presentations like E, his picture pulls over half of the word engage. So you need to understand how that works. There's a real grid to it. But just keep it simple and know that if you don't have my grid, that you want to keep that bottom third to the left uh, covered up with nothing so that your mobile photo will go on top of that. That's That would be the next one. So just to be clear about how that banner should be laid out if you're gonna put text on it, where should the text appear on the desktop so it positions correctly on the mobile? Can I show, do we have a chance? Well, well the, the issue is gonna come down to when we get to the podcast version, they're not gonna be able to see it. Okay, so the, the point of it is if they are to reach out to me, okay, I will send them the little video that I did on the banner photo and it shows the grid. So there's a really little specialized grid that my guy Bruce Cope or created for me. And I can look at somebody's profile and say, yeah, that's nice. It looks okay on the desktop, but I got to really tell you, you really want to look at uh, uh, the grid. So there's a real grid to that, but it's also the simplicity of it, okay? Now, Next part about the banner, right? Hold on one second. I want to make sure that they get your email address or however you want them to message you in order to get that grid. Do you want them to contact you through LinkedIn? Yes, please. So uh, I'll have his URL in the show notes, folks. So just pick it up from there, message him through LinkedIn, and uh, he'll, he'll send it to you through the platform. Now, let's continue on. So the other part about the, about the banner is everybody gets all these really cute headlines. You know, I mean, fonts, you know, the ones that you use when your daughter gets married, don't use it in your banner. You want to really use small fonts, don't use it in your banner. You want to have something that's clear, that tells people what you're thinking, and you want to use really nice, bold, sans-serif fonts, right? Something that really stands out, because what people don't understand is when you're looking at it on desktop, it's really good. But then take the smallest, smallest phone you got, like this. Take that small phone and look at it there and tell me what you think after you've done that. If it works there, then you've got a really stellar banner. Got it. So what you're saying is you have to have a font size large enough that it's readable on both. And, and to me, the font size is 20 points or higher. Excellent. Thank you. That's a great tip. So font size, 20 points or higher, folks, you can message him. And again, I'll have that in the, in the notes at the end uh, and, and for the, uh, the video and for the podcast. And I'll just simply say, and 
Matt, why don't you just tell them the URL for you right now so it's recorded at this moment, and then we'll reiterate it later on. Okay, so you can find me at www.linkedin.com backslash I-N backslash M-A-T-T-S-C-H-E-R-E-R. That's S as in Sam, C as in Charlie, H as in Henry, Echo Romeo, Echo Romeo. I am... I'm fortunate enough to be the first man chair on the, on the block to have his very own custom URL. Excellent. So I think we've gotten through five so far. Yeah. So what's number six? Number six is try not to overkill me with your about section. Think of it as fishing chum, okay? I believe in short, sweet uh, expressions. Number one, what's your short mission statement? And Two, what's your goal? Three, a call to action, right? I want to have a call to action that uh, has contact points where people can reach me. And then four is at the bottom of that, I put all the key skills that people should know about me. I've got about 50 key skills in my LinkedIn about section because I know from talking to my colleagues in the search industry, they'll be able to find me if they're looking for a crisis public relations manager. Done that, I'd be willing to talk to you about it. Not the thing that motivates me the most, but I can do that, I can advise you on that. I've been in five too many airplane accidents back in my military career, responding, yeah. So you're saying put in, um, I don't wanna say keywords, but put in, um, well, let's call them keywords, that represent what your capabilities are, what your experience is. And folks, remember, LinkedIn sells a product to recruiters, both corporate and third-party recruiters, that lets them search the entire database so they can find you exactly. and try and fill jobs. And, and, and that's one of the things that I have a lot of discussions with. And the staffing guys, they're lazy. They don't, they'd like to get those key skills and headlines, but I'm saying, look, I get what you're saying, but I also know that you can find that if you say I'm looking for this kind of skills, it'll also be in the about section. So that's one of the things I disagree with. So number, the next one's the headlines. So write a headline that tells people what is unique about you. Tell them what your unique value proposition is. Tell them what makes you stand out. So if you want to be different than everybody else when they're screening you, and they do screen you on LinkedIn, then you want to have a headline that kind of conveys with the 220 characters they give you. That's a lot of characters. It's about the same as a Twitter post. So you can do a lot in 220 characters. Twitter is 280, if memory serves me right. 220 translates. You speak 140, but you know, you get, it's a, you can get a lot done with 220 characters. They increased it from two lines to four recently. And that makes a huge difference in terms of what you can share. On LinkedIn? Yep. Headline is bigger now. I know I had a, like a two line head, maybe I got a couple of letters in to a third line, and now mine has four lines. Wow. Yeah, okay. big difference, big well, difference. I'm, like I said, I'm a big believer in, in the use of the headline. Because you have to understand, 65% of us, when I'm looking at somebody's profile for the first time, where are they going? They're going to the mobile. So the headline plays a big role, just like the banner, okay? So you have to, I, maybe that's mistake number eight is, just because it looks good on your desktop, will it look good on your mobile? And many times it doesn't because of the fact that it's talked about. So true. And I'll also say in the about area, if you're actively looking for work, 
put your email address in there. Make it and the phone number. Yeah. Now, I don't know how it is with you. I don't take phone calls anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's just too many robocallers. I use a scheduling app called Calendly to set things up so that I know. You know, I, I use a different one, but I do the same thing. But the idea becomes, you know, I don't want to have robocalls. And if I put my phone number in there, I, I never take calls unless the person's in my phone already. So it winds up going into spam, but uh, phone spam. But for email, yeah. if you don't want to put your uh, email address in there, especially for women who get hit on all the time, even through LinkedIn, I politely suggest put a phony email address or a new email address for your job search that forwards to the real one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good point. So this way you can cut it off at the end of the search, pull that email address from your about area since you don't want to be contacted anymore. And the people who are worthwhile will have the real one from you and the rest are just cut off. Good point. Thank you. So what else do people do wrong? I think they forget about the, the magic of attribution. Attribution mm. is like, you say you're the best, but if you would say that other people would tell you that you are the best at what you do, when I'm working with military professionals, and it's even with others, is looking back on the experiences they had with uh, previous uh, employers or supervisors. And so attribution comes in two ways. You can actually put it into the experience section. And, and the other one is to get recommendations. Real recommendations are magical things. It tells people this is what makes them unique. So asking for a real recommendation is something that I think really gives people attribution. It's that, it's that hidden part of LinkedIn that they don't tell you about, but you know, if you use it properly, um, you get a lot of recommendations. I have 50 plus recommendations now. I've had people surprise me with some of the recommendations because I really don't ask for them anymore, but I got a couple recommendations from the people I've helped kind of find jobs. And it's like, thanks, I appreciate that. You know what's magical about recommendations? You get to approve them. I'm like, you get what? I'm sorry. You get to approve them. Yes. If I like it, I'm going to put it. If I don't, I might just keep it back, you know, in the back. But you get to approve it. And honestly, I think attribution is a misunderstood part of LinkedIn. And I'll let you in on a secret. The algorithm wants to see recommendations. They next want to see endorsements, but recommendations are gold to the algorithm. It uh, is. And I know there's a thing with endorsements, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do that in Sales Navigator. And I understand the business process for LinkedIn. The endorsements help them build a database so that if I'm endorsed for public relations crisis management, then people know that I'm that people have seen that. But as my friend Ed Hong would say, if they haven't seen you do it, that's not much of an endorsement. You know what I'm saying? At least from the LinkedIn side, if someone's doing a search, LinkedIn factors in not just simply geography or the key word. It tries to serve up amongst the 700 million people on the platform. Yep. You know, they're trying to figure out who should be the top recommendations that they make in search. And thus they use skills and endorsements to some degree, but more is about the recommendations. The more recommendations you have, the more the algorithm likes it. Uh, so, oh, and one other thing I'll just mention on this subject is, um, 
this is like a bugaboo for me um, with with folks on the searching side that they sell to recruiters one of the fields that they have is a title field and thus when you are filling in your title on linkedin folks and you start typing something in try to select one of the the titles that they suggest to you because that fits the LinkedIn data dictionary on the search side. So that in this way, if someone's working with that field, they'll find you. And if you, if you have one of those hybrid titles that doesn't quite fit, pick one that does fit. And then in the first line, as you describe what you do, you might say functioning as a, and, and put the real title in there. But work with LinkedIn and how they serve things up to the search firms so that this way people can find you, of which course. is the whole goal. Yeah, that's the goal is to be found. But the other part of LinkedIn, and that's something I think is misunderstood, is building the professional network. Having the professional network, I think people misunderstand that's the use of the professional network. How, how do I get an answer to something, to a problem? that I'm facing, you know, I'm in an organization like Professional Military Institute in Tampa, Florida, but I'm looking in LinkedIn, maybe somebody in my connections knows someone that can answer a question for me. So looking at LinkedIn as a research tool, that's another great tool, but it's also one that most people don't really understand. So true. And you know, one of the interview questions I prepare people for is, how do you use LinkedIn? And the correct answer is to say, other than the obvious, I also use it as a way to save time when I'm researching things that I don't know particularly well. So that in this way, and then you give an example of a project that you worked on where you used it and you were able to cut the learning time by X number of weeks. So that in this way, by talking to people already doing this, getting their recommendations and discussing with people, you were able to research it faster and get into production that much faster. So use it as a research tool, folks. And there's so much that they provide you with. What else? What else? I know there's more. Well, there is the uh, socialization of LinkedIn, okay? I don't want to know about your puppy. I don't want to know about your political process, preferences. I, um, I want it to be professional. Um, I have kicked people, I have blocked people for, uh, with their political preferences. Seemed to be a lot of it right at the end of the last election. It's like, no, don't want to know that. If you want to know what I'm thinking about on politics, you can visit my profile on Facebook, only if I let you. But I, I don't want to know that. Um, I don't. I, I I hate. This is my last one. This is my favorite pet peeve. I call this the Barbie doll, Barbie and Ken doll look. Okay, where they're posing. You know, like really, you're posing with something. You give somebody a check for five hundred bucks, and you want to pose a picture of that. Okay, that's not real relevant to me. That's okay for Facebook if you want to feel good about yourself. But what I want to do is I want to, if you've got solid information about what you do and people want to know it, LinkedIn is a place to share it. And I'm going to add one in myself. And that is LinkedIn is a great resource for continuing education. 
Of course, yes, of course, yes. Having purchased Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, some years ago, the LinkedIn learning opportunity right. allows you to stay current, which from the standpoint of looking at your future, this is the way I did it in a, in a YouTube short today. Things have changed a lot in the last five years, right? right. Trust me, the next five years, they're going to be changing too. And thus, it's, it's a venue where you can continue your education for free so you can maintain professional relevance. Because one of the things that no one cares about, and I'm going to speak for myself, no one cares that I have 40 years of search experience and years of coaching background. What they care about is that I can help them. And thus, staying current with your knowledge through LinkedIn Learning and many of the other free places on the web is an important way that you can stay up to date as things evolve professionally. Now that's my list, Jeff. I, I think that's a pretty good list. I mean, there's probably a couple other footballs, but, you know, it's, it's looking at every conversation as an opportunity to engage people, okay? Um, okay, that is my last one. Excellent. Likes, likes, likes. Likes are so easy, okay? They're like, comments take a little thought. But if you really want to be cool, share the best uh, content with others in your, uh, in your group, you know? And uh, the more you share, the more people will appreciate it. And then, of course, when you're sharing something, put the at sign. So, at Jeff Altman, you know, thanks for sharing this. Or this is something Jeff Altman shared. This is what I think um, about this, and here's why you should pay attention. So that's that's another one that I, I thought my phone was off. My apologies. <laughs> so like how, music, man. so Matt, how can people find out more about you, the work that you do, and other stuff? So obviously they can go to my my LinkedIn profile. Uh, I do have a book site for my uh, book. It's LinkedInForMilitary.com. You can order the book there. Um, you can also go to the Military Transition Roundtable. We have a website with MilitaryTransitionRoundtable.com. And I'm also in the process of working with people like Jeff uh, Zygman on a skill builders course. And uh, I want to help military guys and people of all talents to look at uh, how to put together a profile in a couple hours. So I'm working on that. That's my, my extra project. And then... I'm going to ask one additional question because we talked about it before and we didn't cover it here. When should people in the military begin the process of looking for a new position? Two years out, at least. At least two years. And this is the timeline I will tell you that my friend Jeff Carter, who went from being the executive agent base commander Randolph Air Force Base to his current roles at uh, Amazon, uh, he started looking and talking to people about job opportunities about 18 months out. In fact, I, I met Jeff when he was still the executive agent in my day and age. We call him the base commander, right? And we had a nice conversation. And we started talking about his goals. He defined his goals. Then he started building a series of networks that could help him understand what his capabilities were, where the opportunities were. What's amazing about Jeff's story, and we do have a video on this, was that Jeff is the executive agent, base commander at Randolph Air Force Base. He's also a commander of 700 uh, security policemen, also in San Antonio. And then COVID hits, right? 
and he was working all that and still working his interview process. I love his story about he's driving home from uh, working in the command post, dealing with all the COVID stuff, and his wife would interview him on possible questions, so he was ready for any job interview. So those are that's you know two years at the very least is a good starting point, and we teach that we help people with that in the military transition roundtable. Matt. Thank you. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, I've got a lot that's in the show notes that will help you. Go there. Take a look at some of the things I highlight. I know it can help you with your search. But I want you to do one thing for me. And that is put in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Alpin, my name. And when you need help, when you need advice, when you have a question, come over to the website, go exploring in the blog, contact me for coaching or because you have a question, I'd love to help you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day and most importantly, be great!